Welcome to Living Goddess with Shamali God Arda. Listen in for goddess mythology, wisdom teachings, and intimate sharings from her daily practice and contemplations. Shamali illuminates the Shakti keys stitched into the fabric of our daily lives and inspires us to reclaim a pulsating intimacy with Source and revive our spiritual lineage rooted in the living goddess. Welcome, 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 welcome to this moment. Welcome to Living Goddess Podcast. I'm your host, Shamali. And um, today I'm going to dive into uh, a part two of the previous podcast where I was rambling around my process of retrieving hidden parts of myself, where I shared a dream that I had where I was unveiling a little uh, baby dolphin that was hidden in the sand. And I picked it up and uh, I faced the most brilliant, magical, divine love and beauty and creativity and innocence. And I released the baby dolphin into the ocean of the cosmic mother. If you haven't listened to that podcast yet, that's the previous podcast, episode seven. And today I would like to share with you a myth that also illustrates this journey home to, um, to our essential being. And this story is from uh, the Norse mythology, which are my ancestral roots. In the Norse mythology, we oftentimes find the, the symbol of the, a woman or a goddess hidden in the mountain or in the underworld. And she's waiting for us to find her. So she sends out signals through dreams, through nature, calling us home. And she is that um, embodiment of the sense, the longing, the, the call that we hear when we move towards the spiritual path. And in many different forms, she is the one who guards and pours the golden mead, the elixir of life, the mead of um, peace, of wisdom, of vitality, of union. And we also see again and again the pattern of forgetting her and then embarking on the journey to find her again. And um, this story that I want to tell today is about Halgir. He's a little bit a different kind of man. The people around him think he's a little bit strange. He likes to write poetry. He likes to hang out in nature and listen to the birds. He's a sensitive being. And it is said that he learns to understand the songs of the birds and what they are telling him. And um, he begins to have dreams where he dream about a golden maiden calling him, waiting for him somewhere, saying, have you forgotten me? Come home, come home, come and find me. I'm waiting. 
and it is said that the birds they start to sing also this uh, message to him that he has to leave his home he has to leave the familiar surroundings that he had that he lives in and uh, and move onto a journey to find his uh, beloved and he um, he sets out on the journey and it is said that he goes through a lot of obstacles he um, is challenged again and again and he he travels without knowing where he's going he's just following this sense he's following this calling and it is said that at one point he meets a giant snake and he's so full of fear and everything within him wants to uh, go the other di- direction <laughs> he wants to run away but every time he tries to run away the snake is undulating uh, and blocking his path and the snake is an ancient 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 female snake which uh, we uh, know from so many traditions all over the world is 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 the one of the oldest symbols we have for the great goddess and it is not until he turns towards her and face her and he uh, he moves in to attack her where she begins to shift form and it is said that he he kills her but as he kills her she transforms and she becomes wisdom so she transforms from something he perceives as dangerous and a threat to himself into a teacher and she's the one who tells him the the way she shares with him about the medicine mountain where the golden maiden is waiting and now full of direction and full of new hope he 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 continues his journey another um, challenge he meets is a giant who is called a frosty enclosure so it's like a frozen wave that is about to uh, to crush him and right when he thinks that he he's about to die the sun rises and the sun rays are piercing through the frozen wave and again as the wave melts it becomes wisdom and uh, it tells him that although you think you are alone you are so guided you are so protected just look at these sun rays these sun rays are the goddess herself in the form of a goddess group called the valkyries who are protecting you and following you on your path they were the one that have protected you through the whole journey you didn't see them and now even more empowered he uh, 
he continue his journey and it's not long before he sees the medicine mountain. As he comes closer, he sees that in front of the entrance to the mountain, there is a giant waiting, guarding the entrance. And it is said that he is um, asked, the giant asks him, why are you here? What is the question that you bring with you? And Helgir, he has to find the question, the one question, the most important question. And he struggles and, you know, with all of the different questions we have, and he struggles and he sifts through and filter through and he process and until he lands on the most important question. And that is what opens the door. And he enters into the mountain, into the medicine mountain. And it gets darker and darker. And now he, his hope is starting to wither a little bit. He wonders what, what is happening, where he's, he's going. He's getting more and more lost. It's harder to harder to, to remember the call. Until he starts to, to see a glowing light in front of him and he, he moves towards it with some hope, but only to discover that this is a, is a wall of fire in front of him and he realizes that this is a ring of fire. And again, he, he's filled with fear and hopelessness, not knowing how am I going to move through this fire. And it is through the process of facing his fear that he's able to move through the fire parts when he faces and feels his fear. And now he feels that he is coming closer and he starts to move faster only to meet a solid wall. And in order to move past this wall, he is asked to surrender. It is said that he has a, 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 a spirit companion with him, a spirit guide with him, a friend. And it is in Halgir's surrender, the friend is the one that dissolves the wall. And Halgir is entering the hall. And in the center of the hall, he finds a, a goddess sleeping. And now, humbled and transformed by his journey, he is finally ready to meet her. And he comes with his love and his, his devotion, his surrender. And uh, she wakes up and she embraces him and they merge in union. Finally, Helger is united with his innermost being. And she pours him the elixir of life, the mead of peace and wisdom. And he's filled with rejuvenation, with enlightenment. And it is said that after this union, she tells him to go out in the world 
and she tells him that they will always be united, that she will always be with him, but she also lives in the spirit world uh, together with her goddess sisters. Um, and um, that is how it have to be. And it is said that Halger, he, he walks out a, a transformed man, a wise man. And he, um, he lives his life with uh, honor and sharing the wisdom. But slowly, slowly, he starts to forget his beloved. And it is said that he dies on the rock of hatred. Helgir is born again. This time, he's born a warrior. He has completely forgotten his beloved. And he's uh, fully immersed in the drama of war and power games. He's a dangerous man, a powerful warrior that kills and kills until he is laying wounded on the battlefield one day. He's almost dying. And a vision appears in front of him, and it is his beloved. And she says, did you forget? Did you forget about me? Look at you. What are you doing? This has to stop. You have to come and find me. And when he wakes up and recover, he knows that his life is forever changed. And he embarks on the journey. He meets obstacles. He finds the mountain. He finds the most important question. He moves through the ring of fire. He humbles himself through the final wall. And this time when he enters the hall, he sees in the middle of the hall a being and he understands that this is his beloved. But this time she's not only sleeping, she's covered in armor. Armor so solid and thick that it has grown into her skin. The armor of forgetfulness is completely encapsulating her. But again, he has been transformed by the journey and his surrender and devotion allows him to slowly begin to unveil, to take the armor off her body. So gentle, so painful process to remove the armor of forgetfulness. But slowly, slowly he begin to see the freshness of her skin, the light from her eyes and she wakes up like this pure embodiment of his essence and again she embraces him and they merge in divine union and she pours him the mead of peace and wisdom and she begins to sing songs of of thanks and prayers. She prays to all the elements. She prays to all the heavens and the gods and goddesses. She prays to earth. She prays to the water. She prays to all the animals. She 
weaves herself into union with all things. And she teaches him the sacred symbols, the runes, the magical arts, the healing arts. She teaches him about the union underlying the illusion of separation. And um, together they move into the world as a, as, as a divine uh, couple. Again, she is living one foot in the spirit world and she's also living within him. And it is said that he became a great leader uh, that was guiding the people with kindness and with understanding and humility. So such a beautiful uh, illustration of our of our journey here. There's so many Shakti keys and I'm going to highlight some of them. So when we meet Halgir in the beginning, maybe you can recognize yourself in, in being a little bit of the outcast, the one who have these strange longings, these strange visions. Many of us have... Um, have felt that, oh, that we came in somehow into our family system, into our culture with a knowing that was not necessarily affirmed or recognized uh, by the people around us. Like I shared in the last episode, I, in my discovering or unveiling of the baby dolphin, I realized that, oh, this is a part of me that was not affirmed or recognized by the people around me very early in my life. And then I started to play roles instead in order to belong. And then we see him cultivating a, a capacity of perception, and this is such an important part of the living goddess practice, is to soften um, our conclusion and meaning-making enough so that we can have access what in tantric yoga is called pure perception. And of course, like I spoke about in the last episode, we always have somehow filters. That's just how the brain works and uh, but even the awareness of our filters allows for pure perception to be activated and our embodiment practices allows us to perceive through the senses into our being uh, without getting stuck in that middleman of meaning making and conclusions so this is something that is the fruit of our practice. So he begins to perceive, he begins to listen also to the non-human world, which is another key for us. Yeah, that uh, we, we speak so much about healing and connection and belonging as if that is only the human realm, forgetting that we as humans, as bodies, are breathing and digesting food and oxygen that are in constant communion with the non-human world and that we are not, we cannot speak about ourselves as a separate from nature. We are 
nature and that we have what in the Norse mythology is called the original instructions. We have all of this within us, uh, in our DNA. We have the capacity to know deeper than the intellectual knowing that is so trained in the human realm. We know without knowing why we know. And, uh, you know, this is, of course, another word is, is for that is our intuition, uh, our deeper knowing. And in order to access this aspect of ourselves, we need to be aware of the human filters that we have, the meaning making and conclusions we easily make, um, the way that we value wisdom according to how rationally we can um, describe it or, or understand it. But here we see Halgir listening to the birds and one can imagine that it was not many people around him that would affirm that that would, uh, you know, that's a, <laughs> a wise thing to do or that that's even real. But he knew it was real, just like you know, you know, in your deepest knowing, you know a different way of communicating and being part of this great a circle of life. Humans are not a parallel track to everything that is growing and 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 uh, blossoming and decaying and, and dying and composting. We are an, an intrinsic part of all of that. There's just this, um, yeah, that this idea that we can be exempt from this that is causing so much uh, neurosis and suffering, not only for humans, but everyone that is in our way. <laughs> so, to take leadership of your deeper knowing, of your, your intuition, is to serve, the, is, to, is to guard the pathways home to our belonging in the world. And this is what wisdom keepers have been doing since, you know, throughout all, all the different eras of human evolution. We have take it, take, take, you know, received the assignment and, and honored the assignment of keeping these pathways open, even if no one else would applaud it. Yeah, it's meaningful in itself because we are then serving um, uh, an assignment from the whole. And of course, without making that into a new identity, then now I'm special because I can understand the, the language of the birds or that I have a connection with my intuition. Any kind of latching on of specialness in that realm will sabotage this process will lead us into a different kind of process that is not this um, this uh, wisdom keeper seat that is uh, the wisdom keeper seat is essentially a seat of service yeah, it is a uh, requires us to to hold uh, hold our identities very loosely so that something else can move through. Just like the trees and the animals are doing all the time. 
And then he follows the call. Yeah, so here again, we hear this story again and again from so many cultures that the, the hero uh, leaves the known into the unknown. And uh, this is a step that we need to take. And it's not always that it means that we are, uh, that this is happening ex externally, like I spoke about in the last episode, that this is also to leave the familiar identities behind and to, to follow kind of the trail of breadcrumbs into the, the unknown, yeah, to retrieve something that was forgotten and lost on the way. The large snake that Helgir meets is such a powerful symbol. The snake is the symbol of transformation, is the symbol of the life-death cycle, which is the goddess herself. It's a symbol of that primordial life force energy, the kundalini shakti that is dormant in matter, in in the density of matter, but it's 100% there. And then through our spiritual practice, we awaken this life force energy in our bodies. So it's somehow how the cosmic formlessness of spirit becomes embodied through the world. It is a very powerful energy. And uh, we can see that so many cultures and religious systems were created to suppress this power. Because with, if everyone has access to their own primordial life force, creative energy in this way, these systems of suppression, oppression, could not exist. So there's uh, a lot of you know, religious map that is, are designed to keep people from that direct relationship to their own power and the divine creativity, and particularly women. Yeah, we see that historically, that um, there's so many spiritual maps that just tells us that a lot of this more raw primordial power is a problem that we need to overcome in order to find God. And that leads us to, to look for God up, up somewhere else. And it's just a very effective way to keep us away from the power. In this context, we can also look at the snake as the embodiment of everything we fear. Uh, she is the embodiment of some th all the things within us that we perceive as an obstacle to our path. Yeah, and in many maps and uh, belief systems, we are told to stay away from these parts of ourselves. When we have unwanted parts that are more instinctual, less refined, uh, parts of ourselves that are unwanted, many maps will tell us that, oh, just build another persona that is nice and wanted. But as we have learned through the, all the different living goddess maps here, 
energy doesn't go away just because you push it away in, under the carpet or down in the underworld or down in the shadow. Then it just begins to have its own life there. And we see here that Helgir initially wants to escape. And this is something that I think most of us can recognize in our path, that we, we begin to meet parts of ourselves that are really, really sticky and challenging to be with. And we have internalized even the responses from our surroundings towards those parts early in our life. So oftentimes we will have a lot of judgments and impatience with parts of ourselves. And the judgment and impatience are the voices that we heard. You know, that we, the responses around us in our, from our family system, from our culture, that we now have internalized and we begin to beat ourselves up from inside. And we also have a lot of fear on these parts of ourselves. And it's easy to, to project that to the people around us. It may be true that other people are afraid of these parts and judging these parts. But this path and these practices leads us to face how we are rejecting and, rejecting and fearing um, the more alive and raw primordial forces within ourselves. And then we see what happens when Halgir stops running away and he turns towards her and she begins to change form. And we begin to see how that which we, he most feared is, becomes the wisdom he needs to find his beloved. And that's such a potent key there, illustrating what happens in our inner practice when we when we unclench the resistance to our experiences and risk to descend and drop into the felt experience, we bring presence into the parts that we have spent our life running away from. And then we begin to see that, ah, oh, those parts are actually the portal into everything I long for. Yeah, the most vulnerable, sticky neediness. If I'm allowing myself to to feel it, to bring presence to it, it begins to transform and I am initiated into a wholeness that can hold the different um, movements of energies without getting stuck in the push-pull, pushing away, chasing the wanted, pushing away the unwanted, etc. So she becomes the wisdom and this is just the a symbol that I feel in my whole body and just how the wisdom that we are needing and longing for and looking for are oftentimes in the opposite direction than what we think. You know, we are thinking we're going to find it out there. If we just can transcend and uh, move away from the mess and uh, the danger of the life-death cycle, life-death cycle, if we can just idolize goddess as some kind of lofty, ideal, uh, uh, you know, a beautiful, pretty um, gestalt, um, we, we, we will be happy. But of course, when we divide her up in this way, we will never be able to know her because she is life, death, life, death, life, death. She is all things. 
So it's not in one state or one feeling we're going to find her. It is in her totality. So when she shows up in our lives as challenges, as really hard, hard times, she is initiated, initiating us into a beingness that can hold isness without having to immediately go into the evaluation, is this good or bad? And when we are initiated into beingness, as uh, a capacity to stay present with her as she ex- expresses it as herself through ourselves and through the world, we are rooted in a creativity that they can, then can contribute to healing, uh, a, a healing that is starting from the isness of things instead of a make-believe that creates more and more division. So the snake becomes wisdom and and she shows him the way. He meets the frozen enclosure, which I also find very uh, potent since I oftentimes use this metaphor of our identities being frozen waves like ice cubes is like frozen life force energy that becomes like a fixed self uh, and many of those <laughs> many of like i'm like that i'm not like that i'm this i'm not i'm a nice girl i'm not an angry girl uh, and we we start to to live in a more fixed predictable uh, sense of self and um, behavior behavior patterns and like I have repeated many times in this podcast, our path is not to create a new, better self, a new ice cube. Our path is a path of melting, to loosen the glue, the identity. Not that identity is anything wrong, it's just that when we, we we move into an identity forgetting the deeper ocean we move into a wave forgetting the deeper ocean the wave is part of that's when it causes this root disease that buddhists call this illusion of separation that is the root of so many of our destructive behavior so the sun rises yeah that is like the sun the warmth of our own being our own presence is melting the wave and i love the the message here that the rays are protective goddesses and this reminds us that we are not alone that sense of aloneness that illusion of being separate and alone on this path even this illusion to think that i have to feel my heal myself i have to figure out my patterns all of these it's it's a it's our forgetfulness it's us forgetting that we are moved by something so much bigger than ourselves. And in the Norse mythology, we, we see again and again that the goddess, she, she divides herself into so many forms and that even she divides herself into a personal spirit guide for each one of us that will protect us and walk with us throughout our lives and, and beyond. And then again, you see that when the frozen wave 
melts, it becomes wisdom. Yeah, because the the wave is made of the water. It's the same energy that is our ignorance. When it's melted, becomes our wisdom. So this is why it's so essential to not spend our life just pushing away the unwanted parts of ourselves, because we don't want to push our way our own life force energy and our wisdom. And it, this uh, allows uh, Helger to find the Medicine Mountain. So he's diving deeper and deeper in. And then comes this beautiful process of finding the most important question. And I have found this in my life that once I came into a, an alignment, a, a tremendous simplicity within me, where I became honest with what truly matters for me, where I could, I finally I could see through all the distraction and, and become honest and land in what really matters to me. What is it that I, I'm here to guard? When I came into that alignment, my, everything changed in my life. Because it becomes a, a true north. Yeah? It becomes a, a, a guiding navigation tool. And it, when we, I land in, my, in that most important question, that is uh, in Sanskrit, they call it your dharma. You land into, a, um, you come into an alignment with your unique thread in the virda, in the web of life. You stop comparing yourself, you stop trying to be something else, you come into an intimacy with the assignment from the universe that only you can express. And this is deeper than the form. It's not like, oh, now I found um, the job I'm going to do. Or it's, it's, it's much deeper. It's an energetic sense of me. Yeah, it's like how the cosmic ocean expresses itself as me. And when I came into alignment with that and, and an honesty, uh, my life was, and I started to center that in my life, everything fell into place. Not as a static final goal, of course, because life is constantly evolving. But so this is why it's also important to not think about it as a job or a form. It's like a river. So once you step into the river of the most important, then you are in the river of evolution. That will guide you yeah, into your next steps. And then, of course, everything keeps changing. Forms come and go. All forms come and go. But this is something that you cannot lose because it's who you are. And that is what allows Halgir to enter the mountain. And he moves through the ring of fire, which is a very powerful symbol in the Norse mythology. We see it again and again. We see it also as uh, Freya's necklace. It's also called the ring of fire. And uh, so it is a fire that uh, challenges us, but it's also a fire that protects. Yeah, you can use the ring of fire as spells that you can um, kind of uh, protect yourself from different energies. And he's facing his fear and he, he moves further into the mountain. And you see here that all the obstacles that he goes through 
are shaping him, yeah, or are shedding him. Often we can think that, why can't it be easy? Why can't I be union with God it's all the time? Why do I have to forget? But you see here that, and why doesn't the path, have, can't it be easier? But you see that the, the process of the path is what is uh, cooking him, <laughs> is what preparing him to move into those deeper layers. And then um, the surrender that he's asked to do at the final wall. Yeah, and this is a place in our path where we arrive to a similar place when Inanna, she arrives down to Erishkagel in the underworld and then she uh, thinks that, oh, now I have been walking the path, I've been going through the challenges, now you know I'm going to get my reward. But even that part, the one who controls our spiritual path, is also a frozen wave. And at this lev- level of our practice, we, that needs to go to. And that's where we are asked to surrender. And something else moves us through. And then he meets, um, meets his beloved. And, you know, many, I've heard some, some women have some kind of resistance to this part of the story as if, you know, it fits into the, the storyline of we have to wait for the man to come and save us. But it's important to to remember that these are very deep esoteric teachings. So the hero, even though it's a male in this in this story, it's not really about gender. It's just about the the self, the the cultural self making the journey back to soul or essence and uniting there. And that not as a, you know, ending point like it is in death, but that he unites with his own essence and then moves out into the world again as an integrating, integrated human. Like Jeshua, Jesus Christ, he speaks about it as the fully human. And we see that when he unites with his own essence, with his beloved, she pours the mead, the elixir of life, the, the golden brew of peace and wisdom into him. And he's filled with, with, the, with, with the wisdom of his own essence. And we also see later, you know, when, when she has the armor, how, how this armor of forgetfulness becomes, you know, an op- uh, like a hindrance for us to even feel ourselves. But through our journey and our practice, we prepare ourselves for her to wake up within us. And our devotion and our willingness, it is what melts the armor of forgetfulness. And uh, that essence begins to shine through. And there, she's also teaching him all the, all the arts, the mystical arts, the symbols, where he begins to see very clearly the, the miraculous dimensions of this world that we live in. 
He sees with clear eyes. Yeah, the, the veil of forgetfulness falls from his eyes. And he sees clearly, not making anything up. It's like washing our eyes clear in that aspect of our practice. Where, we, where everything drops, all our concepts, all our stuff, that, all the baggage that we have collected um, as an attempt to make up magic, make up the spirituality, all of it has to go for us to fully see that we live in magic, that we live in a miracle. And the forgetfulness is also a key for us here. Is to see that we remember and we forget. We remember and we forget. And in this framework of these myths, we see that we can look at it in a different way uh, than seeing it as a mistake. Because there's something happening in the process of forgetting and remembering. You know, for those of us who are facilitators and supporting, supporting others in their journey, like I know for myself that every time I get stuck in a place and I have to struggle and, and find my way back, I, it cultivates wisdom within me. It cultivates a humility within me. It cultivates compassion within me. And I know that I am a better guide because of it on this path when we we take our seat as wisdom keepers nothing is a mistake anymore everything is learning because we shift from that relationship of control trying to control and manipulate the different frozen parts in our surroundings into a relationship into a an attitude of yeah to life of, of curiosity, of creativity, of relationship. We relate to our experiences. And that is a whole different way of living. So circling back to my dream of unveiling the baby dolphin from the sand, I can feel uh, such a resonance with the journey of Helgir and my journey of revealing and finding um, parts of myself that was covered in forgetfulness and just the beauty and joy of retrieving these parts even if no one else around me would understand I become the leader the mother I become the one affirming and seeing these parts because I'm the only one who can know this within me like you are the only one who can know these parts within you. So the invitation is to uh, do this work yourself, to really begin to turn towards parts of yourself, towards the longing, that vague sense of something waiting, and then to practice, um, to expand your tolerance and capacity to stay with the different obstacles that you will meet on your way there without running away or, or moving into coping strategies and then you begin to retrieve this light and then you begin to see that this very personal journey is a very universal process 
and that when you begin to retrieve these essential parts of yourself, it is as if windows are op- doors are opening for the whole world, for something else to come through into the density of just this coping and manipulation and control that has become the Western culture paradigm. So let's take a moment here at the end of our time together to just check into the body, to move our awareness to the more subtler aspect of our being, our senses, sensations, vibrations in the body. And just open yourself to listen. Maybe you can feel a tug in your heart or a sense of someone calling you, someone who's been waiting for a long time for you to listen and to finally take the step to come and find her. Come home, come home, come home. I'm here waiting. Thank you for listening to Living Goddess. If you like what you heard, please share this podcast with a friend and follow, rate, and review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.